you, you've got your business to business audience, right? And then you've got your, your business to consumer audience. And, and we're sort of seeing this shift broadly within the industry, uh, which you see, you see in other sectors um, where you're seeing the community, uh, the consumerization of, um, uh, of healthcare, right? It, it's, it's not just purchased uh, at, at the medical level anymore. Individuals are, are making a lot more healthcare decisions and, and sick care decisions. Welcome to Agents of Change, a podcast about the future of B2B marketing, featuring insights from executives at top agencies. I'm Danielle O'Neill with Leadtail. Let's hop on in. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Quentin Maidment. He is VP over at the Bliss Group. Hey, Quentin. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hey, Quentin, I know you've got a pretty unique background that begins with political, um, you've done some PR, and now you're focused on healthcare. So just tell us a little bit about how you got where you are. Sure. So I have a, a background that's a combination of traditional public relations, business to business mostly, uh, biotech, healthcare, mostly but not entirely. Uh, and also I have um, more of a political background and public affairs background. Uh, I worked on campaigns um, when, when I was younger. Uh, and I, uh, I did a bit of work for the city um, on uh, contracted with them around um, correctional healthcare delivery. Uh, working in sort of direct um, uh, d- direct services of, of, of healthcare. Uh, and then I also, I think prior to Bliss, um, worked as the press secretary for SEIU Local 2015, uh, the second largest healthcare union in the US, um, and a, a home care union, uh, which gave me a lot of deep knowledge of, of Medicare, uh, sorry, of Medicaid um, and, and how that program works and, and is funded. Uh, and I've been able to take this sort of unique experience of, of both, you know, profits um, as well as profits in a, in a metaphysical sense uh, and sort of bring that to, to a lot of the work that I do nowadays, uh, which is across the entire healthcare spectrum at the Bliss Group. Um, so everything from medical devices, biopharma, uh, and the business of healthcare, which is consultants, um, as, as well as, as payers. So how healthcare is discovered, how it's delivered, how it's paid for, and how it's promoted. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, talking about these advancements and some of these challenges, how do you feel that these challenges are really kind of helping the marketing trends develop in another way? Mm. Well, like a lot of other industries, healthcare is um, highly regulated. uh, And so there's lots of... um, challenges standing out, right? You, you have to say everything that complies in the regulatory way. And, and oftentimes the default is to be kind of boring. And I think that what makes healthcare marketing so exciting is that you have to be, um, much like Twitter, right, requires you to be be pithy because you've only got 240 characters. In, in, in some ways, you have to really try to be creative in this industry and, and really try uh, to, to, to create content that stands out and create marketing plays that stand out. And that's one thing I think that's, um, where healthcare, uh, um, uh, in, 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 is, is an exciting place as a, as a marketer to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, with those kind of communication trends, especially given that you're highly regulated when it comes to your messaging. So how do you, how do you really work within these trends given those limitations that you have? I think within healthcare, right, there's always, and, and one place where we sort of differentiate ourselves from our competitors is that we work across the healthcare spectrum. So life sciences, um, payers, providers, talent, 
tech companies, the whole sort of everything from healthcare to sick care uh, to, to how it's all paid for, right? With, um, and and there's always two audiences within within healthcare, maybe you know multiple, right? You've got you, you've got your business to business audience, right? And then you've got your your business to consumer audience, and and we're sort of seeing this shift broadly within the industry, uh, which you see you see in other sectors um, where you're seeing the community uh, the consumerization of um, uh, of healthcare, right? It, it's it's not just purchased uh, at, at the medical level anymore. Individuals are, are making a lot more healthcare decisions and, and sick care decisions. Um, and I think that that one place where the healthcare sector is, is able to actually lead the way. And one of the things I actually, one of our clients, um, they're a nurse staffing. They they do they're a two side marketplace for healthcare talent. So they help match uh, clinicians, travel and permanent with with jobs in hospital systems uh, and jobs in um, jobs in hospital systems and, and jobs with travel agencies. Uh, you need a very specific skill set. Licenses don't necessarily transfer across state lines. There's very challenging things as to why that that could be successful. And they work a lot with influencers on TikTok, of course, um, and that's sort of, sort of that. And, and I think within some of the clinical trial work that we do. We're always forced uh, to operate in new channels and, and with new mediums, um, and that a lot of you know our clients are quite risk adverse for, for very legitimate reasons. Uh, and and so I think that that when we work in healthcare in these new platforms, um, that's when 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 some of the more uh, interesting and creative work. Uh, um, gets done. Um, and, and also, I think you're seeing really, which is impacting not just us, but um, ev- every communicator, regardless of sector, is that the definition of a journalist is is really changing, right? Uh, you don't have, there's no Walter Cronkite anymore. There's no this one central truth of authority anymore. And, and from a media relations perspective, you've got to do more. Uh, you know, we've got trade press that we have to do. Are there, you know, there are major YouTube channels that have significant influence uh, when, when it comes to how uh, doctors and consumers make make healthcare decisions. Uh, we do clinical trial work, right, where, where some of the most influential people to help recruit patients can be clergy or trusted community members. Uh, and how can we sort of map and understand webs of influences uh, in entire communities um, is, is I think, I think that you're seeing in healthcare, and you're seeing across the sector is that that data is informing more of our decisions, uh, particularly in terms of understanding how people consume news. And it isn't just the same, you know, you've got your five publications, you can go out to them. And you've got some of our healthcare clients, right? You know, a profile story, quote in the Wall Street Journal is great. New York Times, no no client's ever going to fire us over that, right? But but if you're selling a, a medical device to a um, to a hospital system, uh, your best audience might be uh, the trade association for value analysis committees, getting in front of some of the um, consultants who, who who work with them, maybe talking to the uh, healthcare financial management association about the the financial implications um, of of how you um, can help hospital systems save money, reduce readmissions, improve quality scores, uh, and and I think that that what's makes some of the work that we do the most creative and, and the most um, uh interesting and exciting is getting in front of some of these niche audiences and actually getting to the people who are making the purchasing decisions uh for 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 our clients which which varies by by every single one of them of course yeah and so thinking about like that buyer and the person that's making those decisions do you find that it really comes down to you're going to have to change that messaging for that b2b buyer versus the b2c and if so, how do you adjust that messaging, especially on the fly when we're talking about trends and TikTok and some of these others? Yeah, so I think maybe within the context of clinical trials uh, might be some of the more interesting examples. 
so we so we work a lot to to recruit patients for uh, clinical trials. It's work that we started to do um, as a result of Operation Warp Speed during the the pandemic, and. Uh, you know, the, the motivations for a patient, right? This could be a way to treat my, my condition. Um, this will allow me to contribute towards science are very different than, than that of an MD. And family physicians can be a huge source of referral traffic for you uh, if you can get them on your side, but they're often roadblocks. Uh, and they often advise patients against participating in clinical trials because there's risks, um, because they're unfamiliar with the trial. Um, and, and obviously it's the benefits are, it's a clinical trial that's not proven. Um, and, and so I think some of the, the how we speak uh, to, to medical professionals and understanding that that preempting the conversation that we have ultimately that the patient and the medical doctor is going to have and making sure that the medical doctor um, fully understands the scope, knows the understanding of the of the research uh, behind the trial, why, why it's going on, what some of the existing literature say, what are the what are the risks of this treatment uh, and making sure that family physicians in an area that you're um, or referring physicians in general in an area uh, where, where you have trial sites is is making sure that they understand things on a scientific and technical level uh, goes, goes a long way to, to allowing patients to, to participate. And I think broadly speaking, if there's, to answer your question, I think writ large, I think one area that the public relations industry often falls short um, is that it lacks a level of understanding of clients' businesses. And I think that when you're looking at who your buyer is and, and who your um ultimately going to purchase your uh uh it's going to purchase your client's products it, it comes down to really understanding how the money you know sloshes through the healthcare system uh who influences who what are the relationships um b- between the various players and the interconnectedness and, and and sort of what are you know when you speak to a physician for a medical device right they might care about the whiz bang technology they care about the innovations the, the slight improvements in quality you go to a hospital value analysis committee that could be wildly different if you go into a safety net hospital system which talks which needs something that's going to you know reduce readmission risk even if the device is more expensive if you know if it reduces the 30-day readmission risk that's you know that's significant amounts of money in, in, in terms of insurance reimbursements to them. Um, and I think one area where the industry doesn't always hit it is getting always an understanding the, the the business impact of the PR work that you do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So how do you help explain that business impact to them when you're coming up with campaign strategies and really trying to advise them on next steps? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about thinking about your, um, your audience and and the behaviors that you 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 want them to to, to take. Um, oftentimes with with clients, it's it's you know that they're selling to multiple groups, uh, and so it's explaining you know it it's having concentrated campaigns and 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 your broader thought thought leadership um, to 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 reach all of the the audiences that you need and and make sure that fundamentally in the question, okay, does this media placement, um, does this piece of marketing collateral uh, at the end of the day. Uh, advance our, our clients, a thought leader in the industry? Does it uh, make someone uh, do something that we want them to do, whether that's uh, have a meeting, whether that's uh, purchase a product, uh, or, or whether it's, you know, go to a website and review information on a, on a trial? Um, you know, is everything that we're doing actually having impact on what we want people uh, to, to actually do? And, and I think broadly speaking, you know, we're seeing a huge fragmentation of the media um, and so broadly speaking, when it comes to PR, I think you have to do more now than you used to. Uh, and so it involves sort of, you know, going after as many outlets, trying to get as much coverage as possible, 
Um, and you know, from from a business perspective, these these top tier placements and, and trade placements can can often uh, often those trade placements can be really valuable. Um, sometimes you get lucky and, and people reach out to clients after reading their name, uh, and that, that's always a great way to see your business impact. But it, but it's really about I think making sure that our clients are speaking to the people who actually matter and actually make the decisions. Um, and, and you know, oftentimes that uh, that 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 can vary on on who that is for 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 what client we're dealing with. So, Quentin, what does moving the needle mean specifically? in healthcare when you're thinking about these clinical trials? Yeah. So, I mean, that mostly comes down to, to patient, uh, um, to getting patients to, to sign up and, and join the trial, uh, both in terms of raw, raw numbers as well as raw speed. Uh, you know, you speed up a, a clinical trial by six months. Um, that can be hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in, in value uh, to, to a CRO or to, to a sponsor. Uh, but, but also, too, I mean, that's... Um, you know, you find out it works, great, you're now six months ahead of time, you can bring this medicine to a patient that needs it. Uh, find out it doesn't work, also great, you've now found out six months earlier that you're, um, that, that this is a waste of time, no more resources get put into this, uh, no more scientific talent is, is wasting their time spinning their, their wheels on a molecule that's not going not gonna to work. Um, and, and so I think that there's uh, a lot of impact to be had within uh, in, improving a clinical trial. Actually, most... Um, uh, the number one reason that a pharmaceutical company can't bring a drug to market is they can't find enough patients to to test it on, uh, and this is often uh, a bigger problem in in diseases that impact um, uh, minorities. Uh, there has been lots of struggles to bring sickle cell treatments uh, to market because it's quite hard to, to to test those drugs in the U.S. because because of, of historical um, di- uh, di- distrust in the medical establishment. Um, so there's I think there's a lot of real impact and and driving. Uh, business value uh, within fixing, uh, you know, a, a, a basically a broken uh, patient recruitment. You know, if you got if you got COVID last year, the last thing you're thinking of, and, and this was a you know a global pandemic, you get COVID, wall to wall coverage on this. The last thing you're thinking of is, oh, I should go sign up for a clinical trial and let's help me find a, a treatment that we can we can we can give to to um to to those who who get you know test positive in 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 six months or whatever. Uh, and you know this was you know you had. Every single public health agency in America focused on this problem, and this was still one uh, area where I think we all, as a country, sort of fell short. Was was moving people into into clinical trials who who had tested positive, who had been exposed. Um, you know, we had a lot of stuff on, on vaccine treatments, um, but this was sorry on, on vaccine studies. Uh, but, but you know, this is you know, that's not something that you think of as a consumer, and it's like where do where do I turn? I've just t- I've just tested positive, uh, and I think if we can we can break um, if we can solve this you know problem. Uh, for you know other medical conditions, I think we'll we'll, we'll see scientific innovation uh, power longevity, uh, power quality of life, um, and 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 you know again improve the lives of, of millions of people and, and bring more drugs to market and, and bring them to market at a at a lower cost too. So Quentin, you have such a wide array of experience mm-hmm. within the healthcare industry itself. Um, so have you seen any emerging technologies that marketers need to be aware of when thinking about healthcare and particularly if they're coming up with new ideas, new campaigns, new ways to really get their message on behalf of their clients out to their audiences? So I think there's two big tech trends 
really three, but let's not talk about AI because I think AI within within biopharma discovery is a whole five hour conversation alone. I, I think if we're looking from from a marketing perspective, there's going to be two big changes for, from a from a tech perspective, right? On on one hand, you have AR. Uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, that's going to transform physician education. Uh, you know, why are you going to send in-person sales reps when you can um, basically create a, a virtual surgery room uh, in, in, you know, you've got VR glasses, you can do this, you can teach people how to use your, your new medical device, you can do medical education that way. And I think looking at how we, everyone knows, you know, Zoom, you know, basic telecommuting stuff, but how that increasingly merges um, with the physical world, especially when it comes to products that involve mechanisms of action within the body um, is going to be something that I think marketers are going to have to be super aware of. Uh, search media relations, broadly speaking, we're seeing voice technology that consumers are using. Um, and that's, you know, you now, it's important to be on, the, on your Dr. Google um, is the primary care physician for majority of, of American healthcare consumers. That's now going to go down to the top result if you're asking uh, Siri or you're asking Alexa for, for help with that. I'd say that those are probably your two big marketing-specific trends. And the other trend I would look at within healthcare is looking at uh, wearable technology uh, and its intersection with telemedicine. Uh, in many ways, that empowers consumers to make more healthcare decisions. And you'll see this increasing cons consumerization of healthcare. Um, is that you know, take the, we're all familiar with COVID testing now, right? The idea of having a, you know, testing yourself, seeing if you're positive, seeing if you're negative. That's something that nobody really did pre-pandemic. Uh, the FDA has recently given uh, an emergency youth authorization to a medical device that can test COVID, RSV, uh, and flu and tell you which one you have, right? Think about how we did this pre-pandemic. Uh, if you thought you were sick, you would go s sit in a room full of other sick people and a doctor would test you. And if you, know, if you didn't have something when you walked in the door, you did by the time you left. Now that consumers are going to be able to do that at home and you combine that with telemedicine, uh, if some of the regulatory, um, uh, you have that, you have prescribing. So, you know, you, you get your home test, you get your prescription from your doctor, you don't have to leave it and you can go to the pharmacy and get, and get the drug to treat, you know, whether it's COVID, whether it's RSV or whether it's flu, depending on what you have. And I think you're going to see a lot more diagnostic technology. Uh, and then when you're going to see that combined with telehealth, combined with wearable technology, uh, there's lots of weird regulatory things around, you know, um, let's say my Apple, I don't have an Apple watch, but, but say I had an Apple watch, uh, and that could tell me something's up with my heart. Uh, and it can sort of monitor the, the signs of heart disease are, are noticeable. You can, you can see the buildup if you're actually monitoring and scanning for it. Uh, but if I show up to the hospital, would the hospital admit me based on what my smart, smartwatch is saying? And would my insurer, uh, be willing to pay for it? Um, and that's, I think, uh, where you're going to see a, a lot of advancements um, in, 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 the, in the future. And you're going to see consumers making more healthcare decisions uh, based on diagnostic technology and, and based on wearable technology. And as marketers, we're going to have to be uh, prepared for, for that shift. All right. So, Quentin, what are you reading right now? And what would you suggest other marketers within this space spend some time learning? Mm -hmm. Uh, f funny, I'm actually reading the book that was given to me at my, uh, my, my company's annual retreat. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's called, uh, learn to leap. It's by Kip Knight. Um, used to be a CMO high up. Yeah. Yeah. Used to be a CMO high up in Yum Brands and PNG. Um, it's, uh, it's like a memoir self-help book. It's, it's, uh, if you read it for what it is, which is a, a memoir self-help book, it's, it's a pretty good version of that, of that genre. Um, and that, that's a pretty exciting, fun read. Um, I, 
I have an ever-growing reading list, um, and uh, it, it depends on how many delays there are on the subway in, in terms of how much reading I get done. Uh, I, I would say, um, oh, what's a good book I've been reading recently? Yeah, I mean, I mostly read like nonfiction. I read a lot of history books. I uh, I read some marketing books, but but not not a huge amount. I I think once I'm out of work and it's pleasure reading, it's uh, it's it's books that interest me more than more than marketing books. I think if I was going to pick one area to study, uh, and I was going to be like, okay, I want to know everything about this trend, I'd pick LinkedIn personally. That's the one thing I want to know, and I think that's the most. There's the eyeballs that you get on LinkedIn. Uh, the number of consumers of content far outpaced the producers of content on LinkedIn. And I think it's the only social platform where that's still true. So would you say that LinkedIn is your favorite channel? Uh, I'd say it's probably, if you were going to pick one channel to focus on, uh, especially in business to business, um, I would pick LinkedIn, um, both as an employee to grow your career, uh, as a company to grow business, um, as a place to demonstrate thought leadership, um, there's a reason that they hired all those journalists, um, and they've been doing their, their LinkedIn news stuff. You've got demand for humanized business, humanized business content that's on LinkedIn. Um, you get a lot of eyeballs for what you do. You have full control, uh, over the content. Um, I, I think it's a very powerful channel. Um, I think lots of people are, are waking up to that fact, but I think it's the only, the world has too many tweets. World has a million Instagram posts. Uh, but there still is a demand for more content on LinkedIn. And I think that's what makes it unique over uh, the, the some of the other platforms. But but again, I, I think it's also, you know, you're not going to directly sell makeup on LinkedIn on consumers. Maybe you are. It's not something I would I work in hugely. But, you know, it's it's all about the channel to your to your audience. But I, I think LinkedIn is an incredibly powerful platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's fun to see all the different changes that LinkedIn is making and trying to find new ways to connect with everybody on the platform. Yeah. So it's always good to see when they're, when they're adding new ways for us. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up today, Quentin, is there any last parting advice that you would give to any new marketers within the healthcare industry? Anything that you would say, spend time learning this or put less focus on this and more focus on Yeah. This? I mean, maybe this, this is, uh, co common advice, especially within media relations and, and public relations, where I spend most of my time, um, it's it's read the trade press. Uh, really read the reporters and the and the publications that deeply um, cover your industry. Um, in the in the healthcare press, there's an ev ever never ending number of of healthcare trade publications to read. Um, but but I would say that it's they're not always you know the, the lightest of bedtime reading. Uh, they're not always the most um, uh, the, the, the deep dives that can be kind of you know very technical and, and boring so to speak uh, but it's so important to know and, and they often have some of the best coverage of the industry that you work in uh, and, I, and I think if, if I give any advice to, to younger employees and, and those studying their career in healthcare marketing it's pick up the trade publications whether it's you know stat pharma voice clinical leader life sciences leader um, uh, health, health affairs um, and, and and really focus on just being an ever, uh, a never-ending sponge of information, and just trying to constantly read and, and understand, you know, what reporters are writing for, what makes a story, uh, what's trending in the industry, where where is the industry going, uh, not only tomorrow but but five years from now. Uh, and obviously, if you if you're in healthcare, um, very important to to keep up with uh, CMS rule changes. 
uh, and keep up with 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 the regulatory environment. Um, you know, it, it, healthcare is fifty percent of all healthcare purchases in the U.S. are made by the government already. Uh, that number's you know we've got an aging population, more people are going on Medicare. Uh, huge growth opportunity f- f- for the industry, but but really understanding how companies um, will have to transform uh, their workforces, their ways that they do business, how they fundamentally do innovation um, as a result of pressure that you have and, and often cross pressure that you have from DC or from Wall Street and understanding how everything intersects uh, and, and, and understanding, really understanding the industry, which again, I think comes back to, to having a, a mindset that's always, you know, let's learn more, let's read more, let's, let's understand more, let's speak to smart people and work with smart people. Um, I, I think that's the, the best advice that, that, that I can have is, is to try to be a, an information sponge as, as much as possible. Sponge yeah, it all exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Quentin, thank you so much um, for being oh, on absolutely. with us today. And thank you for coming and sharing all of your great advice and ideas, especially given an industry that's so toughly yeah. regulated that I can only imagine how hard it is to uh, really get your voice across. So we appreciate this so much. Um, we will drop all of your information in show notes. And thank you, Quentin. And we hope everybody joins us for our next episode of Agents of Change here with Lee Thank you so much.